everybody. How you doing? Uh, welcome to the John Riley Project. Hope you're having a great day getting your week started. It's Monday, and boy, we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to get into the royal family. We're going to talk about local schools here in San Diego County. We're going to talk about the stimulus and kind of the whole common thread through this whole piece is sort of this con game that's going on, this um, in this matter of where people are kind of screwing over other people and they don't realize they're being screwed over. And so I want to kind of walk through that in this podcast. But yeah, I mean, the, all the headlines right now are all about Harry and Meghan and their interview with Oprah. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but that was um, last night. And, you know, they were leaking pieces of the story earlier in the day on Sunday. And I watched part of it. It was, you know, mildly interesting. Um, but it, it 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 it's interesting to me like as a you know i'm a i'm a history guy and i love like when i'm streaming videos on netflix and amazon prime i like a lot of that historical period pieces and i've never gotten a chance to see some about the royal family they're really good you know streaming shows like the tudors which was really good all about king henry the 8th um victoria was a great show about queen victoria in the 19th century and the early parts of the 20th well, actually, I think that show only was exclusively in the 19th century, even though her reign went into the 20th. And then, um, and of course, The Crown. I'm sure most of us or many of us have seen The Crown on Netflix. It was a very interesting story there to be told. So, you know, when we're seeing you know, the royal family and, and, you know, we all kind of get caught up in this, right? It's like the fairy tale. Oh, the king and the queen and the princes and the princesses. But I mean, in a lot of ways, it's, it's like a freaking con game that these people have been pulling over on the English people, on the people worldwide. And, and it's been going on for centuries. And so it's so refreshing to me to see that Meghan Markle, and, and Prince Harry are actually breaking away from the from the royal family. I mean, to me, this is terrific. And, um, you know, because it, it, it took a lot of guts for them to do it. But they've had their own motivations. They had their own reasons. And she kind of went through that during the TV show last night. But, I mean, think about the the royal family. And this has been... What the House of Windsor, I think, has been a a thing now for what about a hundred years or so, and then you, know, you go all the way back to the Tudors and the War of the Roses and all that. But the whole thing, I mean, it's one of the longest, you know, g the, the longest ongoing cases of grift that has occurred in really in human history. I mean, you think about the royal family. I mean, they live in lavish welfare, lavish welfare that is paid for by the citizens of Great Britain. They're the ones that are taxed and the tax money goes to cover the royal family. And then the royal family has set up all of these, um, these trusts and foundations, and they're able to obviously invest that money and live off the investment income. But a lot of that money is not taxed. They, they are immune to a lot of the same rules that their citizens um, have to live by. So they've carved out this kind of this really it's it's a con game where the the people, the working class are the ones that are paying. So this 
royal family can can live in in lavish welfare. And then if you go backwards in time and think about like the brutal regimes that existed with the royal family and how they amassed a lot of their wealth. And there was, you know, the, the brutal regimes of of demanding, you know, tax dollars from its own citizens in the form of there was war and confiscation and then going overseas and there was theft. And you look back at that, and you're thinking, well, how did they build that that nest egg of money? And it really has been you know, it was a brutal regime early on, but then it's kind of turned into this sort of pop culture thing. And now the royal family is sort of celebrated for their elegance, but they've been able to bamboozle a lot of the people in England and in, in the in the British Isles, in my opinion, because whenever there are attacks on the royal family, a lot of times the working class are the ones that step in and defend them. Because, of course, this is our king and queen, and it's all part of our history. But at the same time, the they're the ones that are footing the bill. So, you know, the royal family can live in in luxury. So, to me, it's it's in many ways a con game, and that's why I'm so happy to see Meghan Markle and Prince Harry breaking away from it, really trying to break down the hierarchy of the whole system. And then, you know, there's just so much hypocrisy with the royal family. We saw last night that Meghan Markle was being attacked uh, by insiders within the crown. Uh, But meanwhile, someone like Prince Andrew, who was, you know, part of the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing, um, and what was it? They called it Lolita Island, you know, with pedophilia and everything else that was going on. But they kind of just sort of slap him on the wrist. But someone like Meghan Markle or even like Princess Diana are the ones that get really a lot of grief internally from the royal family. So, I mean, you go, girl. (laughs) Way to go, Meghan Markle, for kind of busting out on this thing. So, you know, we're doing a live stream. It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. So feel free to chime in with your comments, your questions. I'll read them on the air. We can have a little bit of a discussion here on today's podcast episode. But you still have to feel kind of funny about um, the 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 interview last night with Oprah, because you now here's Oprah, who's you know legitimately one of the richest people in America, has done so well for herself. I mean, anyone can if you want to look at a success story in America, Oprah Winfrey is that. Um, and then she's loaded. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, sure, they got cut off by the royal family, but Prince Harry is living off of his mother's inheritance. And if you see his estate where they live up in, what is it, Montecito, up near Santa Barbara, they're doing pretty well for themselves. And so sometimes you, when they begin to, you don't want to feel sorry for them, you know, because they're doing okay. But just the fact that they're pushing back on, on the aristocracy, on the royalty, breaking down old-fashioned traditions that really have no place in the 21st century. I like that. And I and you can tell that they're they're basically, you know, they're, they 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 kind of have a strategy. They're they're looking for ways to use their royal their royal name and their media, their celebrity and their influence to really begin to make money for themselves. And so I think they did a deal with Netflix and, you know, so good for them. They're figuring out a way to monetize it, but to do it independently without being essentially manipulated by the the crown, by the royal family, having to live in that 
strict world of what they can and cannot say, what they can and cannot do. And then they can do it to a large degree in the United States, mostly outside of the tabloid media of London. So I'm just loving what they're doing. So I thought that was a really good episode um, on on TV last night. So um, I'm going to get into um, more about our local schools, you know, and we're going to talk about COVID and the stimulus. But um, just want to just give a shout out to a couple of people. Um, I, I I, one of the things I love about this podcast is I've met so many great people. People in my community have reached out to me. And he, over the weekend, one of our list, well, loyal listeners and followers, his name's Tim. He lives out in Rancho Peñasquitos. And he was actually a candidate for Poway Unified School Board. We got together for beers and we went over to the Naughty Barrel in Rancho Penasquitos, which is kind of a cool place out there. They got outdoor seating and and space heaters and and fire pits. So it's all safe, all COVID friendly, lots of television, TV, sports up. But it was funny. I was telling my car uh, to give me directions on the GPS to get to the Naughty Barrel. K-N-O-T-T-Y. It thought I said naughty like N-A-U-G-H-T-Y. And it started giving me directions to strip clubs like 20 miles away. Like, no, no, no. Naughty. K-N-O-T-T-Y. But anyways, I got there. And Tim, thank you so much for joining me and a really great opportunity to meet with you. And then, you know, we did another podcast. I don't know if you could tell. We we did a podcast over the last week with Catherine Cloward. And Catherine Cloward, you know, just this great entrepreneur, an artist, an author, a musician. Um, and we did a podcast episode with her on Wednesday, and we had some technical difficulties um, with it. So if you watched it, some of the video was kind of on the skits. And so we re-recorded it over the weekend. Frankly, I think it's a better conversation. Uh, so I, we recorded that and posted it on YouTube. But it was nice to get to see Catherine again. She's a really special person, um, a person that's out there. You know, I called her like the uh, the evangelizer of good vibes, right? So she's out there teaching people self-improvement, but she's doing it, channeling it through children's music, through children's books, and even as a songwriter, writing music for other people as well as for herself as a performer, lots of positive messages in what she does. So she's a great person to support. And she's coming out with a book on on Father Joe, which, you know, good for her. So just want to give a shout out to those people. They're they're terrific. So already on the live stream, people chiming in. John Carson, you know, one of our former guests here, he says, what's up, John? Hope you're doing well. Uh, 5G coverage is rising. Vaccine numbers rising. Well, yeah, the vaccines are getting out, right? And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be taking my mother down to Kaiser on Thursday to get her second Moderna shot. So that's a big deal, you know, because my mom is, gosh, what is she, 78 years old? So, you know, our older folks are the ones that are most at risk. So great that the vaccines are rolling out. Um, And 5G coverage is rising. I haven't been following that, John. Um, I know that that technology is is getting better and better, but um, wasn't aware of how much impact it's making in the local community. But if it is, that's good news, because as 5G improves, of course, 
we're going to have faster streaming media on our mobile devices. In some ways, maybe, kind of, sort of, it might be um, a bit of a competitive threat to cable, uh, Cox Cable in certain cases. Um, that's a good thing. And then, of course, all the Internet of Things that are coming with 5G. Um, I'm an investor in Qualcomm. It's, I got some Qualcomm stock in my Roth IRA. So I'm always rooting for, uh, for 5G. So all good news. Yeah, lots of good news coming. We're going to talk a bit about COVID in a minute and the impact on schools. Uh, Pat Johnson on the live stream chiming in. Love your show, but might have to pull your man card for watch the Royals interview, brother. LOL. Yeah, you know, you couldn't avoid it, right? I mean, every every um, news site seemed to have it as the headline. Um, I was in my office last night and what was I doing? I was watching, I think I was watching um, a basketball game. And then I wandered in to the room where my wife was watching TV and she was watching it. So we chatted for a while and I was watching it for probably about 20 minutes. But I know, Pat, I didn't sit down and got my popcorn and, and sat through the whole two hours. But I kind of had the gist of what they were what they were doing. And, you know, we've been seeing a lot of this leaking out in the media on the days preceding it. But for me, like I said, I... I'm a I'm a history buff, although I don't know a ton of history, but I love learning about history. Uh, and I've watched so many period pieces on streaming media that, you know, have been mostly factual accounts of the royals in the in, in the UK, you know, going back to, like I said, you know, the Tudors on Netflix. Great show. Um, Victoria, which is on Amazon Prime, great show. Of course, The Crown on Netflix, really good show. So I enjoy it. So when the when they're on TV, I watched it for a while. So yeah, you can pull my man card. Um, but anyways, uh, just want to give a, just a quick plug, man. If you're digging what we're doing, you know, give us a thumbs up on this episode. That's always good. That's very helpful. It's not like I'm begging and pleading for people to like me, but it helps in the algorithms. It helps us rank better. The more likes and follows and subscribes we get on YouTube, the more frequently we show up in the recommended videos, which gives us further exposure, helps grow the audience. So anything you could do to, to share, to subscribe, to like to follow it would be greatly appreciated. Um, okay, so let's um, let's talk a little bit about COVID. Yeah, so John, you're talking about the vaccines are rising, and I'm excited about it. And there was just an article that came out. Um, it was actually this morning, and the the CDC, the Sen- the Center for Disease Control, um, says that people can gather without masks and visit grandchildren. So this will make my mom happy because. My, my mother lives in Escondido, kind of in an independent living place. And we've been very careful not to have as much engagement with her because we want to keep her safe. And she lives with a lot of other old elderly people. But she's desperate to reconnect with family and reconnect, especially with their grandchildren. So this is great news that they're they're lifting um, or actually they're, they're kind of relaxing the rules a bit. And they're the, the interesting part of this said. Uh, The Center for Disease Control and Prevention said people who are two weeks past their final shot face little risk if they visit indoors with unvaccinated members of a single household at low risk of severe disease without wearing masks or distancing. And so that would free many vaccinated grandparents who live near unvaccinated grandparents. 
children and children to gather for the first time in a year. So, yeah, that's that's a big deal. And if the article went on to say, of course, they encourage outdoors. But, you know, it's good that we're seeing movement on this. But still, you know, people are resistant. People are fearful. And, oh, my God, there's a variant. There's a mutant form of the vaccine. We need to keep things shut down. And people don't want to open up fast enough. You know, sure enough, Texas opened up. They they said we're not going to have a mask requirement. They're giving businesses a lot more flexibility to be open. But, of course, the businesses can choose to be careful and safe. Some cities have kept local ordinances. But when Texas announced they were opening up, Mississippi followed in suit. And I think a few more states have as well. And it's funny is that a lot of people are angry. They're like, oh, no, you can't do that. It's too soon. They're afraid that the virus is going to spread. But sometimes I wonder if they're just afraid that Texas might end up being successful, (laughs) that they might actually be able to prove that it's okay, that we you know, we're never going to live in a risk-free world, of course, but, you know, the cases are ramping down. There's, it's warming up. So we're going to be outdoors more often. Um, you know, the people are getting vaccinated. So, you know, it, we're at a point now where I think we need to let people be free. We've been cooped up for a year. We've been in lockdown for a year. So it's, it's great seeing that. And I think, They just announced um, Governor Newsom has relaxed some of the rules, and I think they're going to allow public gatherings and we'll be able to go to Padre games. So the Petco is going to open, and I think it's going to be only about 20 percent occupancy, but still that's great. And it'll be great to have some fans in there cheering on the ball club and its progress. And we're moving in the right direction. Um, Pat Johnson says, just got a news update and California now recommends double mask. So isn't it crazy? There's there's all this, this um, uh, how should I say, conflicting information. You know, do this, but don't do that. Um, and they're relaxing some rules, but now asking you to, you know, raise the bar by doing double masking. Um, and, and when it gets to the schools, and that's what I really want to talk about here is with our public schools, it's gotten even crazier. So let's take a look. And um, we're going to talk about Poway Unified here at first. You know, of course, I live here in the city in the country, Poway 92064. We're like up in the northeastern uh, portion of of San Diego County. And our school districts like Rancho Bernardo and Rancho Penasquitos and what else is here? Sabre Springs, Carmel Mountain Ranch, Forest Ranch, and of course, Poway is part of this. And Poway was hoping that they were going to be able to open their schools up today. Um, they had, you know, done their due diligence, got organized. They even got clearance from the County Department of Health here in San Diego County. And they, the state was keeping them shut down. So Poway Unified appealed the state's rule and they were denied. Uh, they were denied. And it, this is just so frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating for everyone involved. It's frustrating, of course, for the people that run the schools, right? They're, they're, you know, on, off, pause, go, you know, they're kind of not getting into a rhythm. Um, the parents are frustrated. The children are frustrated and we're getting all these mixed messages. But, um, according to Marion Kim Phelps, the superintendent of Poway Unified School District, she said, we are incredibly frustrated by this arbitrary decision as the application had the full support of the San Diego County 
public health officer, Dr. Wilma Wooten, and her team after a thorough review. So she's trying to do what she believes is the right thing, and still she gets shut down by state officials in Sacramento. Now, my understanding is is that Poway Unified K through 5 are open and, and sort of normal. I think there's a little bit of an alternating. Pat and I talked about that every other day. But for middle schools and for high schools, they're still shut down. Um, and according to um, – what is this person's name? Her name is Dr. Naomi Bardak, and she is the state's safe schools for all team lead. So she's Gavin Newsom's point person for the school uh, reopening or the school closure. And she said that her approval of the appeal was contingent upon each cohort of students remaining in one classroom with a single teacher for the entire day. And this is not possible for Poway Unified middle school or high school students is they have multiple teachers and multiple courses and schedules. And, you know, they go for period one and then they get out of the classroom. They go to period two. And so the state officials are afraid that, oh, we're going to have people intermingling and people are going to be mixing and that's going to be a problem. And um, and that's the reason they shut them down. Now, Poway Unified believes that by a week from today, on March 15th, that San Diego County will be in the red tier and then they'll be able to open. So right right now we're kind of this particular battle is really over a one week time frame. But Phelps, you know, the superintendent at Poway actually went on and, and she made a compelling case. I mean, she said that they have already established effective contact tracing and quarantine processes. They've added filtration devices and upgraded ventilation systems in all classrooms and schools. That's a key point. Because remember, they wanted to pass that bond, remember, like in March of, what was it, last? Yeah, it was March of last year, part of which was to fix ventilation systems, fix broken air conditioning systems. So it sounds like they've addressed some of it already or perhaps all of it. But, yeah, filtration devices, you know, remember that point. They've implemented enhanced cleaning and disinfecting protocols. They're implementing physical distancing and mask requirements, and they're advocating for the prioritization of vaccines for their staff. And, you know, the county has already decided that 30 percent of the vaccines should go to people in the education space, you know, the teachers and support staff and administration, just so we can get the schools going again. Because as long as the schools are not fully open, then, you know, kids can't go to school, which then creates problems for mom and dad, especially if it's a two-parent working household. Someone's got to stay home and watch the kids, and then that affects their career. And at the same time, it also affects the economy. And so the getting the kids back to school is a Besides the fact that our children are better off in the schools and they need to be learning and they need to have a better social setting that's going to alleviate depression, it's also a key linchpin in really kind of getting our society, our culture, our economy back to normal. Um, So it seems like, you know, Poway Unified is trying their best. But it's still not enough. It's still not enough that Poway Unified's doing what they believe is the right thing. They've gone down and doing their due diligence. They get the San Diego County Department of Health to check them off that you're good. But still, state officials in Sacramento say, no way, Jose, <laughs> you can't open. And yeah, it's it's frustrating. But check this out. I mean, this is really cool. And 
This is an article that appeared in The Voice of San Diego. Now, if you ever go to that website, it's really good. It's Voice of San Diego is um, – I think they're affiliated with KPBS, the uh, public radio, public television. And they provide sort of an alternative to the San Diego Union Tribune. It it tends to lean left on a lot of issues, but it's a good space to go. And they do a lot of work in education. And there's an article there from Scott Lewis, who's like, I don't know, is he their chief editor-in-chief or one of their top guys? And he says that let's clear the air on the best way to reopen schools. And they talked about La Jolla Country Day. And if you've ever been there, La Jolla Country Day is a private school. It's very close to UCSD, like out there in the Golden Triangle. Um, you know, great school. We have some friends that have gone there. And by the way, if you've ever been there, their baseball field is 100% turf. It's not, there's not, I don't think there's a blade of grass on that field. And uh, boy, even when the when the boys hit the ball, I mean, it bounces like a Super Bowl on that surface. I don't know if they've actually upgraded it or found a field, but it's it's a unique place, and it's kind of tucked away in this little section in the Golden Triangle, um, kind of near Scripps Hospital, just east of UC San Diego. Well, La Jolla Country Day, which has been open for in-person instruction for months without incident, focused on ventilation. And air filtration over plex, rather than plexiglass and surface cleaning. And other schools looking to reopen can protect students and teachers and stoke parents' com, uh, confidence by following a similar focus on the air. And like, hey, okay, what are these guys doing? What's their secret sauce? And what they've done is, you know, the superintendent was saying, you know, this whole notion of, of, of these plexiglass, you know, sneeze guards. That doesn't seem to make sense to me. And why are they disinfecting everything? You know, we all know that it travels in the air, not necessarily by touch. It's mostly through the air. So what's going on? What's the actual science? So what they did at La Jolla Country Day, they put hospital grade carbon dioxide monitors in each classroom and then hooked them all together. And now the 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 head of the school, um, you know, Gary Cron, and any teacher or student can check on the CO2 levels in any classroom at any time. And CO2 isn't necessarily the problem, but the turnover of CO2 in the classroom is a perfect proxy for ventilation. So they're trying to monitor how much fresh air is moving in and out of that classroom. Because obviously, if the CO2 levels are really high, then People are exhaling a lot and that exhale is being recycled and and that air can you know be re-ingested or breathe re, uh, back in and that possibly could pass on the virus. So they're looking for ways to increase the ventilation. Now, what was crazy is, is that, and I say crazy because La Jolla Country Day figured this out and our, you know, Gavin Newsom's point person in Sacramento can't figure it out. So... At La Jolla Country Day, they're allowed to be indoors for only 45 minutes. It's a school-wide policy uh, to make to make sure that the CO2 readings are not, you know, r- be rising high enough. So what's happening now is now that children are at La Jolla Country Day, they leave the classroom, giving that classroom the opportunity for the air to circulate and to cycle out. And then they move children back into the classroom. Because everyone knows it's safer outside. 
and they're doing it to make them uncomfortable with it. Now, this is the exact reason why Poway Unified was denied. Poway Unified wanted to keep that classroom of 25 or 30 kids self-contained with that teacher in one classroom for the entire day. They purposely did not want to have circulation or, or kids walking outside and transferring classes. They weren't really focused on having the air circulate. And and because that's ultimately how the virus spreads is when you don't have enough fresh air moving through the system. And so they came to the conclusion that it's almost like this, you have to deal with it the same way you deal with cigarette smoking. Because if you've ever been to like a casino in Las Vegas, they allow cigarette smoking, but in some casinos, they have such excellent filtration systems and air recycling systems. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Now, sure, you can tell a little bit, but in fact, I think a lot of the Vegas hotels, I think I was reading an article recently that the COVID um, rates there are also in decline because the va- the casinos have done a, such a good job recycling the air specifically, you know, the original strategy was to filter out the smoke from smokers, but it also has this positive impact on COVID. And the people at La Jolla Country Day have figured this out. You know, they've applied this and with great success. So now only 79 of the school's 1,130 students have chosen to stay home and work remotely. The school's community is thriving. Now, you compare that to what's going on in San Diego Unified as an example, and those schools have been shut down for almost a year. Um, and, you know, Poway has been trying to open. They get shut down. They open partway. They get shut down. And, you know, it's been this on again, off again, almost like Simon says, you know, when you're walking and playing that game, you're kind of go forward, go back, go sideways. Um, so what's happening, I think, in the public schools is that the unions have so much more control. So the unions are demanding things. And they're saying that they need three things. And two of the three, they've been reasonably, the schools have been reasonably successful in implementing that they want to, you know, get the vaccines out to as many people as possible. They're doing that. They want to get the schools down into the red tier and Power Unified is on the cusp of getting there. But the unions also want to see strict on-site mitigations being in place at every school site. But they don't define really what that is. They don't define it. Um, So it almost becomes sort of an impossible objective to meet, an impossible standard. Um, And it's a shame because everyone's life is being impacted by what's going on with schools. As I explained, it affects the children, affects the parents, it affects the parents' career, it it affects the economy and our society at large by keeping these schools closed. And... Even when schools like Poway Unified are putting in increased or improved ventilation systems and really making a focus on making that air clean and circulating it so it's always fresh air flowing through that classroom and getting kids out of the classroom and getting fresh air in between classes, doing what La Jolla Country Day has done so successfully, that specifically is what the state of Sa- the, the officials in Sacramento for the state government are specifically denying. So once again, people are getting jacked around by all this. Now, here on the live stream, got another comment from Chris Sohaney. 
Uh, am I saying that right, Chris? Is Chris Sohe. Is that right? I got to learn to pronounce that properly. S-O-H-A-E-Y. And he says, private donation or built-in tuition fees, probably. Well, yeah. I mean, a, a public, a private school does have tuition. A private school does get donations. But you know what? Public schools, Poway Unified gets $400 million a year in revenue. Um, that's a ton of money. And Poway Unified has foundations where they're, you know, they do fundraisers. So, and they've already successfully put in filtration systems in all their classrooms. They're doing effectively what La Jolla Country Day has done so well, but Poway Unified schools are shut down again. Now, they keep them open for K through five, but not for grades six through 12. Now, hopefully we drop into the red tier by next week. Hopefully the schools will reopen. I know sports are, you know, they've, they've been finally given the green light, at least outdoor sports. You know, so again, little by little, we're starting to come back, but it's so hard. And a lot of times, you know, like the royal family, they've got a con game going. The royal family, you know, s- centuries of grift and living off the public dole, essentially. Um, here with the schools, a lot of a con game going on as well. Local schools trying to do the right thing, doing their due diligence, getting approval from local health officials at the County Department of Health. But still, it's not enough. Even though they're implementing systems that are very similar to what private schools are doing so successfully, and still it's not enough. And a lot of it comes down to teachers' unions. You know, love the teachers. Teachers do great work. The unions themselves can sometimes be ir- uh, what's the right word? Um, you know, just very difficult to negotiate with because they're such a powerful entity and they know it. And of course, they want the safest situation for their children, for their, excuse me, for their union members. But you know what? The unions will always tell you, we're here for the kids. It's all about the children. And then they keep up making up excuses on why they don't want to open up the schools. And they use that power to flex on state officials, on Gavin Newsom and his team up in Sacramento. And so even when here locally, students, parents, school administration, and even teachers want to reopen, the union and their influence at Sacramento, 500 miles away, prevents it. And it's just awful. I mean, I think it's a shame. But hopefully we only have to wait one week and then Poway Unified and maybe a lot of other schools will reopen. So, and and you know what? The Padre games are going to reopen too. So I'm looking forward to that. Little by little, it's getting better. You know, the vaccine the vaccines are are our numbers are rising, just as John Carson said. Um, case counts are going down. Uh, ICU beds are in steep decline. Um, deaths are on steep decline. Um, there's a lot of things to be positive about. And now that we're getting into the spring, more people are going to be outdoors, less people cooped up inside. That's going to be good. More people breathing fresh air. So um, hopefully we'll. Hopefully we can see this you know, continue to accelerate and get as close as we can back to normal. But still, people, there's still some people that are so afraid or there are some, still some people that want to exercise and flex their muscles in power and use COVID and the pandemic as their excuse to do it. And that's shameful. 
we need to we need to move forward. The world will never be perfectly safe, um, and we have to recognize that. Okay, so um, moving along, I, I really want to get into this this bit about the stimulus, and I've talked about the stimulus a lot on previous podcasts. But it's part of this another con game that's going on with this, and it's an interesting way to look at. It, and I'm I'm looking forward to going through this. But like I said, you know, we're live streaming on Facebook, on YouTube. I welcome your comments. I mean, if you're thinking, ah, I don't really want to type something, and please do. I'm hungry for your input, making this a discussion, having Q&A and commentary. You may agree with what I'm saying. You may disagree with what I'm saying. You may have another take entirely. Let me know your thoughts and opinions. This podcast is meant to be a public forum. That's why we cover a lot of local issues, not just in my hometown of Poway, but in San Diego County, California, and then even national issues. So if you like what we're doing, again, please like our episodes. Please share it with a friend. Subscribe on YouTube. That makes a big difference. And thank you. I see the, the likes on this episode continue to go up. I appreciate that. Okay. Now let's talk about the stimulus again. Gosh, I, I think I've probably done two previous podcasts on the stimulus. Well, now they finally voted it in. It's it's a done deal, right? The stimulus has passed a $1.9 trillion stimulus. Hallelujah. The, the Democrats are so excited. The Democrats are saying, finally, President Biden is stepping up, doing the right thing, focusing on on. COVID and pandemic relief and economic relief. I mean, this is something that President Trump should have done a long time ago and he hasn't done. And those evil Republicans and, and you know, it's all partisan, this whole thing. It's all partisan. Now, never mind the fact that in 2020, the Republicans themselves passed huge spent, uh, stimulus bills, passing out checks to people as well, obviously huge bailouts to corporations. Um, now, when the Democrats do it, there's more checks going to people, but now bailouts for state and local government and for a lot of other kind of politically driven initiatives. Um, it, it, you know, they, they play this political game, but really both parties are pretty much similar. They're both for massive redistribution. They're both for bailouts. They just politicize it. Even the Republicans, there was a group of about 10 Republicans in the United States Senate that came up with an alternative plan to the $1.9 trillion. Rather than giving out $1,400 checks, they wanted to only give out $1,000 checks. And, you know, they had different criteria and they didn't have as much pork in the bill, but it was still a lot of money. It was still, you know, like two-thirds of a trillion dollars. It was still very significant. So, you know, the, every, the partisanship, they're trying to blame the other guy, but basically... They got it through. And the Democrats are, you know, they're praising the Lord. It, we, we got this through. And it took someone like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to actually get this done because those Republicans wouldn't get it done. And I keep thinking, man, I get it. You know, money's getting passed out and that's good. And people are going to be able to pay their bills. But understand what's going on is a bit of a con game. I mean, so... What what's happening is I mean how first of all how did they come up with 1.9 trillion dollars? How did they come up with the COVID bailouts in 2020? I mean they were still when President Trump was president they were running trillion dollar deficits. So where do they come up with the money to come up with these huge bailouts? I think they've already 
you know, have cranked up what maybe six, seven trillion dollars in debt before uh, because of COVID, six to seven trillion in debt before this additional one point nine trillion. Well, where does the money come from? Um, they're already running a deficit, a trillion dollars a year in the black, in the hole, um, in the red. And then the national debt, you know, roughly speaking, was, gosh, roughly speaking, was about five trillion when George W. Bush became president. He doubled it to a roughly around ten trillion. Obama comes in, he roughly doubles it to like nineteen or twenty trillion. And then Trump comes in, and in one term, he's got it up to around $27 trillion. And now um, Biden's coming in, and he's jacking up the debt, too. So where's the money coming from? Well, of course, the money is coming from the Federal Reserve. They effectively can create money out of thin air. And, and this process floods the system with cash. Now, think this through, what's going on. So while the money is the money is flowing into the into the economy cascading through the economy people are getting relief and it feels good you know people are out there spending because that's what they're told to do spend the money that's going to be good for you it's good for the economy but that spending it's a $1400 check i mean that's not that much money. Um, it's going to be essentially gone in less than 30 days. Most of these people are going to spend it almost immediately. So then what? I mean, then it's going to be short-lived, and then the stimulus money will be gone, and then they're going to be back in the same hole again, a lot of these people. Very few are going to actually save the money. I mean, is anyone talking about that? Is anyone talking about teaching people to build wealth to save money, you know, so so the wealth inequality gap can narrow. But no, they're being encouraged to spend, spend, spend. Now, sure, a lot of people have bills to pay and obligations to pay, but there's still no leadership calling for saving. They want you to spend, spend, spend. But think about it. When the money is spent, where does it go? Now, many people will think, well, you know, I'm spending with my local restaurant and that's good. And those employees will have some money. And that business owner, that small mom and pop business owner, they're going to make some money and that's good. Um, but then where are those people going to spend their money? Well, a lot of times they're going to go to these big, these big stores, like they're going to go to Amazon and they're going to order product or they're going to go to a big box store like Home Depot or like Target or Kmart and buy the things that they legitimately need. You might think, well, that's fine, right? That's good, stimulating the economy. Well, what ends up happening is that those companies, their profits start to shoot through the roof. They start making more and more money. And now suddenly you get to a point where the rich are getting richer. The shareholders of these companies are the ones that are enjoying the profit. And the, the rich are getting richer, but the poor are spending every nickel they have. And they're not being taught to save they're not being taught to build wealth, to just put a little bit of it aside. I mean, if you get a $1,400 check, I mean, put a couple hundred bucks aside. I mean, anything, you know, and, and then learn to spend the rest. Work in a – do what you can to lift yourself up because I think a lot of people are just not taught these things. So what's going to end up happening, uh, you know, a few months after this stimulus situation, people – that $1,400 is gone. The rich get richer, and then people are going to be angry again. They're like, what the heck? How come wealth inequality keeps expanding? How come the rich keep getting richer in a pandemic? Well, it's because, A, 
you declare big box stores like you know, like Target and Walmart as essential businesses and then shut down the mom and pop stores. So right away, the shareholders of these large corporations, they get richer and the struggling local person who has a gym or a restaurant, they're the ones that get screwed by the whole thing. So right away, that's how wealth inequality expands. Um, but it's it's just it went, and then when you flood the the economy with all this cash, it goes to the people. They spend almost every nickel, every penny they spend, and that money cascades through the system and it flows right back to the top. So that's one of the things that we always have to keep in mind is that when the Federal Reserve is cranking up the printing presses and putting more and more cash into the economy, that's a great thing if you're very wealthy. That's a great thing if you own um, you know, shares in a lot of these corporations where that money is going to be spent. That's a good thing for them. And it's a short-lived stimulus for the people that are spending it. So the poor remain poor, and then they're going to be like, what the hell? How come I'm still poor? And why are the rich guys richer? And they're going to be angry, and we'll be back back to this. So I get why there's a stimulus. I get that. Now, frankly, we shouldn't have had a need for the stimulus in the first place if they had kept most of the economy open. Um, They could have kept the economy open safely, but instead they had these onerous regulations that shut people down. Well, a lot of these businesses could have existed just fine. Like we're learning that fresh air is good for ventilation, right? That the fresh air is good. So why can't restaurants have outdoor seating? That was shut down for a while. But if you're outdoors and you're wearing a mask when you're not eating, even when you're eating and without a mask, you're still outdoors. The air circulates and it's a lot safer. I mean, it's never going to be perfect. But when they put in these onerous shutdowns, it's the the workers at those restaurants are the ones that suffer and those business owners suffer. And then people start clamoring for these stimuluses. So the thing that I'm really getting at is why in our society do we not make a bigger deal out of teaching people how to properly manage money? Now, where have you learned how to manage money? Maybe you were fortunate. Maybe your parents were really good with their money and taught you some basic skills about managing money. Um, Maybe you read about it and were self-taught. Maybe you had a mentor that taught you, but there's still a lot of people out there that can't figure it out. And how often, you know, we just talked about schools. How often do they have personal finance classes in a high school? You know, just basic things like, you know, how to manage a checking account, how to build a monthly budget, um, the benefits of saving and why that's important, um, how to invest your money, and just really simple investment strategies, different ways to maximize the money you earn, and to minimize the money that you spend. How can you effectively play the game? Very little of that is ever taught in schools. Um, I know back in 2014, um, our local school board member, when he was running for office, TJ Zane, said he wanted to implement that in our Poway Unified School District. Has that happened? I don't know. I don't think it has. Maybe it has, but I, I haven't seen evidence of it. Um, we need more education about how to handle money, how to make money, how to earn money, and ultimately how to keep it. Uh, Because this is one of the fundamental rules that 
you know, you learn as a, for me, I learned as a young person, yeah, you need to save. It's important to save. But a lot of times when you're, I was saving money as a young person, it was to save up enough money to go buy a thing that I wanted. And that's good. That's better than borrowing the money. But still, the, the objective was always to go get that thing that you want. But the, I was never taught that saving money is a way for you to build your wealth. And that, that money that you save is ultimately the money you keep. And the more money you keep, the better off you're doing. The more money you keep is how you get points on the scoreboard and how ultimately you win the game. Because you know, people talk about how money is time is money. Money is time. Yeah, you hear that. And you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, I work and I invest my time on an hourly wage and I get money in return. But there's another way to think of it is the more money you keep, the more money you save, the more wealth you build, that money effectively can buy you time so you don't have to work in the first place. So that's why a lot of people like myself save very aggressively for retirement because when it comes time to retire, we don't want to have to work because we have to. We want, may, may want to take time off and work and enjoy, but we won't be able to have that ability to, to live a, um, a flourishing life in our retirement if we don't save in advance. That savings gives us the freedom, the liberty, because it essentially buys us the time that we otherwise would have to work and continue to work in our senior years. So to, this is just a, such a key concept is the, the point of saving is to, to, to gain freedom. Savings is ultimately personal liberty, personal freedom. And when you think of it in those terms, it's, it begins to open up your eyes. But most people don't get that. Most people are taught we need to spend our money. That's why savings rates in the United States are so poor. That's why you, you look around and see people and what percentage of people have actually um, you know, have a significant amount of money in their 401k or in their retirement savings. I mean, it's shockingly low. I often wonder... You know, we already know that Social Security is kind of a house of cards, right? Social Security in roughly about 10 or 12 years is not going to be able to pay its bills. It's going to be cash flow negative, right? They're going to be spending more money. Well, in fact, actually, excuse me, Social Security today is spending more than it brings in. You know, if you add up all the money that's being paid out every month to senior citizens, and then compare that to the amount of money that comes inbound to Social Security from payroll taxes, well, they're spending more than they bring in. So over time, every year, they're dwindling those reserves down. When they get into about, I think, about 2033, 34, that's when the Social Security trust fund is going to run out of money. Then what's going to happen? Are they going to print more money? And what's that going to, how's that going to affect the economy? And that'll probably end up making the rich richer, as I explained earlier. But what's going to happen when Social Security fails and then meanwhile, people aren't saving? Now, some people might have pensions, which is great, but depending on your pension, it may or may not be a good plan. But a lot of people have very little saved in their retirement plan. Are they just assuming that if they're a homeowner, they're going to live off the equity of their home? But how many people aren't even homeowners? 
So I often worry that as the economy uh, continues to unfold, especially as it's built on a house of cards and leaders are constantly telling the people, spend, 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 go out there and stimulate the economy. Well, they're not saving. And by virtue of that, they're not effectively playing the game. And the more money they spend, 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 the richer the rich get. And the less money they save, the poorer they get. Um, And they begin falling behind the system. So what people need to be doing, in my opinion, is they need to be investing um, as much as they can, not just investing in their retirement savings and and other forms of, of savings. They need to be investing in themselves so they can earn more money. I got a couple of great stories is one of my friends, I was just talking to him today and he was telling me about his brother. His brother works at Qualcomm and he's in middle management there. And I, I don't even know exactly what he was doing in the business side. And, and he was just really bored of it. He was, uh, there was not as much upward mobility because the org chart was full of a bunch of lifers and people that weren't moving on to new jobs. He was stagnated. His income was stagnated and he was looking for a change and, and he wanted to make more money. So what is he doing? He's going back to school. He's 49 years old. He's going back to school. No, excuse me. He's not 49. He's 53. Excuse me. He's 53 years old. He's going back to school and getting a master's in in computer science so he can be a programmer and then make more money and actually do something different than he loves. He's an old dog learning new tricks. That's a great thing. People investing in themselves so they can earn more money. Um, Another good example is a guy I knew was a... He was a computer programmer. Um, I think he was doing like RPG3, you know, like um, kind of old school programming on AS400s. And little by little, he saw his team losing their jobs one at a time. And they were all being outsourced to businesses in India. So what did he do? He invested in himself and he went out and got a certification to be a x-ray technician. Now he works in hospitals in healthcare, you know, people are getting older. There's a lot of money being spent on healthcare. Now he's not only making more money, but he's actually in a more secure job because he invested in himself. That's a great thing. We need to be doing that. I mean, I'm trying to do that with this podcast. I'm learning more about audio and video and marketing technologies and a lot of other things. And even my conversation with Catherine Cloward, we talked about that over the weekend, how you have to constantly be growing and learning and investing in yourself because if you don't, you start falling behind. But so many times people just cling to what they know and hope to write it out. And at some point they get passed over. People need to be investing in themselves. That's part of the game that needs to be played. But the second part of it is... um, to really invest in you. I've always encouraged you to start your own business. Find ways that you can build your own income where you are in charge and you have greater control of your own destiny, greater control over the sources of your income. I mean, if you have a skill in a particular um, category, let's just say, for example, you are a computer programmer and you've got skills in three or four different programming languages, start up your own business and be a consultant and outsource yourself. It could be a great side hustle for extra work, but it might turn into um, a consulting gig that's going to make two or three times the hourly rate that you already make as a, as a computer programmer working for the man. 
You know, so look for ways to monetize your skills as an entrepreneur, as a contractor, or find ways to make money selling other products and services. Look for innovative ways to invest in yourself, not just as an employee, but as a business owner. So rather than working for the man, you become the man or the, or the woman. You become the person in charge. I can't encourage that enough. I mean, take control of your situation. Um, we talked about that with Catherine Cloward in the last podcast and just some really good insight in that in our conversation. I mean, the whole notion of how we need to get ourselves right and align ourselves and understand what makes us tick. Really, we have to learn that and grow up to become mature adults. That process, that evolution is so powerful. But once you start to get that organized, then you're, once you begin to really understand yourself and what, understand what makes you special, then, as the analogy in that conversation went, then you can shine. Then you can bring greater value to people. And then you can understand your true worth and your true potential and begin to take that out into the world rather than being stuck in a job you hate or at a job that pays too little. So investing in yourself is so key, but people need to be taught how to save. And this is such a key thing. I mean, I remember when I was in my 20s, and this is a good story. And when I was in my 20s, um, at first, you know, I got out of college and I'm spending every nickel I had, right? And then I went to work for a company and they had a 401k. I didn't know what that was. My wife asked me about it. Does your company have a 401k? And I said, yeah, I think I heard about that in one of our HR meetings. And she goes, check it out, you know, because she was working with a financial advisor. This is before we got married. And she was signing up for her retirement plan. I think they called it because she worked for a nonprofit. So it was, I think, a 403B, I think it was what it was called. But it was the same basic thing. It was like a tax-deferred um, savings plan for retirement. And she said, yeah, go check out the 401k that you had. And I went and went to the HR people, and they gave me information on the 401k. And basically it was, yeah, it was a savings plan that you could save money before you were taxed, which offered all kinds of advantages because usually when you save money, it's after the tax man takes like roughly a third out of your paycheck and then you're saving some fraction of that two thirds. Well, with a 401k, you can take your savings right off the top before the tax man hits you. And therefore, it's it doesn't feel as for lack of a better term, painful. You don't notice it as much because the money is taken pre-tax. But more importantly, my employer was doing a match and they did um, your first 4% you put into the 401k, they matched dollar for dollar. So if I pulled out, let's say $100 out of my paycheck and put that into my retirement, the company matched it dollar for dollar. So they put in 100 and this was their way because the, the company a long time ago had a pension plan and they were trying to get away from pensions. So they were generous with the 401k. And so the first 4% of my money, dollar for dollar match, the next 4% was 50 cents on the dollar match. So if, um, if I invested, 
you know, hundred bucks, I got a match of a hundred bucks. And then if I exceeded 4% of my gross, well, then they give me 50 cents on the dollar. So effectively that HR office with their 401k plan, they were handing out free money. And when I began to see it in those terms, instantly I said, how could I turn this down? And I signed up for it. And Back then, I think the maximum you could save and be uh, legally allowed was 15%. And so I maxed it out. And I'll tell you what, I my savings grew quickly. And this was in the 90s, and this was before the dot-com, you know, started going. And my, my retirement fund, you know, grew quite a bit in the 90s. And I continued that savings plan, you know, after the turn of the century. And it's been very helpful. But I'll tell you what, the 401ks out there are huge, um, especially if your company's giving away free money. But people, I remember when I was working there, I would encourage my employees. I'd say, man, that HR office, they're giving away free money. You should go sign up for it. And they're like, oh, man, I got to take money out of my paycheck. And then they match it and I won't get it for, you know, 20, 30 years. So I don't want to do that. Like, man, you're you're missing out. You you know, you're not thinking the right way. And it's because they weren't really taught good financial management skills. They were basically spending every penny they had. And I know they were having a good time. And I they tell me their stories about the things they did and the places they went and the way they spent their money. But they weren't really taught to save. Even when there was an incentive where people would give you free money if you saved, they wouldn't do it. The other side note that makes this even more extreme is the company I work for at the time, I think there were about 800 employees. And at that time, there were only two of us that maximized our 401k. Myself, who was just a marketing manager for the company and the president of the business. We were the only two that did it. And a friend of mine who worked in IT, he was a software programmer and he had to write all the code to manage payroll for the company. And when they were implementing the 401k and they were, they had to make changes to the software to do it, to manage it properly, he said he used to always use me as one of the guinea pigs as the test subject because I was maximizing the 401k uh, contribution. So A, I felt good that I was doing it and I was kind of neat to be his guinea pig, but it was amazing when he told me that there were only two employees in a company of over 800 people that were actually doing that. Like, wow. So people, they're not, they're not being taught to save money. So that's why the stimulus is going out. The money's being spent, but the money is just going to go right back up to the top. And then people, a month or two later, that 1400 bucks is gone. And, and what do they have to show for it? You know, people need to be taught to save. So, you know, we now work, well, I told you, my wife had a financial advisor before we got married. And then we got married. We work with her. She's been terrific. We, 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 we were blessed. We have a good person that's helped us, you know, grow our savings and kind of help manage our retirement plans. That's been really helpful. And having that financial advisor can help you essentially have someone to hold you accountable or force you to be accountable to yourself um, so that you're focused on savings. And These people, I mean, there's a lot of good financial advisors out there and bad ones. If you're fortunate to find a good one, they're worth their every, you know, every, their weight in gold. They're worth every penny. Um, So we've had great success. Not only have they helped us grow our savings, but 
they've helped us understand how to play the game more effectively. But people, again, they don't understand there's a game. Well, I talked about that in previous podcasts. There's a game to be played and people don't get it. They don't understand there's a game. But the game is to keep your money, (laughs) not to spend it as fast as it comes in. The objective is to have money, to build wealth. And the purpose of building wealth is so that you can buy time. You can buy freedom so that you don't have to be um, a pawn in someone else's grinding game. You can, you know, be free of that and you can free yourself of doing work you don't want to have to do because, you know, a lot of people work because they have to. But imagine only choosing to work if you want to. Imagine choosing not to work because you want to. Having that power, that control, that liberty can only be had when you're building wealth and you're playing that game. So we've been, you know, I'll I'll pat myself on the back and my wife on the back. We've been uh, preaching this to our children. Uh, my daughter, who's actually, she's a CPA, you know, so she's gone into accounting. She's already started her 401k. She's already started a Roth. I'm really proud of her. Uh, my son, who's still in college, he already has a Roth. And whenever he, you know, earns money, he saves a little bit of it and it goes into his Roth IRA. And I think, I think that's a great thing. So like I told you, I have a Roth IRA and I, I don't put as much into that as like my, my 401k plan, but I still have money there and it's grown. It's, you know, it's been nice. And I just recently, it's fun. I recently went in there and I allow my, you know, normally you, you want financial professionals to be managing your money. I allow myself the, 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 what's the right word? The, the, the slack to make decisions within my 401k. Cause relatively speaking, it's a, it's a small nut of money. And I just recently reallocated some of my dollars in that because, you know, they tell you invest in what you know. Um, I, I do a lot with electric cars and electric charging stations. I've a lot of, you know, investment opportunities in electric cars like Tesla, those have blown up, but I'm now beginning to shift my money into electric, uh, electric vehicle charging stations, because as EVs grow, there's going to be more and more of those purchased, and that's going to be a huge market into the future. So I recently made some of those adjustments, and I'm, I'm excited about that. I think it's great. So yeah, in many ways, it's, it's a con game. The, this whole notion of this stimulus, and I get it, people need relief. A lot of people that are hurting right now because the government shut the economy down in the first place, which they never should have done. But yeah, there are people that are hurting. There are people that need money. I totally understand that. But it's important to understand that the powers that be are also in bed with the elite, the the corporate powers, the, the highly wealthy people. They're all in cahoots. They're all playing the game too. And they know that when essentially helicopter money is dropped on the populace, when all this new cash floods the system, that if they're properly invested in the right companies, then they are the ones that are going to enjoy the profitability that comes with that. And that's going to increase their wealth while the masses are the ones spending and they are the ones that generally speaking don't save or generally save very little. Um, And they're the ones that aren't being taught how to play the game. So then you wonder... Why are people just not taught this? Why are people not taught 
really good financial management disciplines? Um, why are they not taught the right way to do it, the right way to manage it? And I, it's still, I can't, I don't, I, 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 maybe, maybe, maybe they don't want you to know it. I don't know. But it's, that's something that really needs to be reinforced. Because if we're talking about, you know, income inequality, wealth inequality, especially wealth inequality, we need to build wealth for people at the bottom. But they don't play that game. Even though maybe you might say they don't earn enough to save. Okay, fine. But you, you could still save like two, 3% and hardly notice it. But you might even say, okay, you know, the, the, the most destitute, they can't save. All right. But if you've got a job that's around the median income, you can save a bit. Um, you may not be able to save 15% pre-tax, which only feels like 10%. But you can still save something. But I don't think people understand the value of saving and why that's important and what it provides them. So it's a con game. I mean, people are going to get temporary relief, and the minute it's over, they're going to be like, what the hell? And then they're going to see reports that Jeff Bezos got richer, and the Walton family got richer, and all these billionaires saw their wealth and their assets increase. And then they're going to insist, the game is rigged. It's rigged for the rich. Well, yeah, partly because a lot of people don't play the game because they don't understand it. And I, I just can't emphasize that enough. So, okay. Um, wow, we've gone for an hour and eight. Um, I was going to get a little bit into this um, bit about uh, um, marijuana convictions getting reduced and or in some cases white clean, which I think is a wonderful story. Uh, but I'll save that for another podcast. I just wanted to get in here today. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Royals. Yeah, Pat, maybe I lost my man card on this. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Megan and Harry and the, the situation that they're they're in, but I love it that they're breaking away from the royal family. I love it that they're going it alone. You know, going it alone is I'll put that in in quotes. It's a relative term because they they certainly got tremendous resources even without the royal family. But I'm I'm happy to see them breaking away. I'm happy to see them calling out some of the the misdeeds and the hypocrisy of the royal family. I think the more we break that down, the better. Because the royal family, in my opinion, has been for centuries. We've seen grift and in some cases, brutal dictatorships. And um, we've seen people mistreated. And now the royal family, they're making money off taxpayers and they themselves don't pay taxes, and yet they're celebrated as pop culture celebrities <laughs> and praised for their elegance, particularly by the working poor and the, the working masses. It's just crazy. It's, people still think of the royals as this fairy tale. Um, we need to get right back to reality and understand them for what they are. So good for Megan and Harry for fighting back. Um, let's hope the schools reopen. I'd like to see Poway Unified hopefully a week from the day on March 15th. They're going to be fully open, not just K through 5, but hopefully grades 6 through 12. Um, as San Diego County you know, gets into the red tier, that will be good news. Um, Padre Baseball is opening up here soon. Petco Park is going to be open here, maybe 20% fans. That's progress. We're working our way through this COVID thing. There's light at the end of the tunnel. My mom's getting her second 
vaccine this week. That's good. So I hope you see light at the end of the tunnel. I hope you see that there's often a game being played by other people and maybe you're missing out on the game or maybe you're not playing the game effectively, but there is a game being played. And I encourage you to understand it. And once you do, then you see it all around you. Once you get it, you see it everywhere. Understand the game and play the game to win. So this is uh, John Riley. This is the John Riley Project. I think this is episode 210. Wow. Um, so we will be back at you Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Have a great day, friends, and enjoy the sunshine today. I think rain is coming. So batten down the hatches again. All right. We'll see you, folks. Bye-bye.